It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Side Hustlers. I am your host, Carla Marie from iHeartRadio. Thanks so much for finding this podcast. If you've been listening from day one, I appreciate you. If this is your very first episode, the whole point of Side Hustlers is talking to people who follow a passion outside of their day job. These are people who work extra outside of their nine to five or people who have turned their side hustle into their full time job. I work for iHeartRadio. I host a morning show in Seattle called The Carla Marie and Anthony Show. You can listen to it from anywhere on our iHeartRadio app. Um, I talk to people who on Side Hustler, I talk to people on Side Hustlers who are from all over. But this week, I talked to Shelton Harris. And Shelton is actually a new coworker of mine. So he works on our sales team here at iHeartRadio in Seattle. But that is kind of his side hustle at this point. It's it's crazy when you hear all the things Shelton has done. He is actually a artist manager. So he works with people like Travis Thompson. If you don't know who that is, look him up. But also Shelton has had his own musical career. It's a wild episode. And I think you're really, really, really going to learn a lot from Shelton and his work ethic. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. 
Shelton Harris That's is me. here today. I gotta use your full name. Yeah. It is it's badass to say your full name. Well, thank you. I mean, first of all, I like I mean, I like it personally. You know, I don't meet too many <laughs> Shelton Harris's, you know, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so we have a lot to unpack today. So we're coworkers. Yes. We're new coworkers. First of all, let's get that straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you work on our sales team here for iHeartMedia Seattle. Mm-hmm. You started how long ago? On September 3rd, so almost a full month. Now. Okay, so almost, yeah. yeah, almost a full month at this point. Congratulations for making it a month. That Thank, is, I know, right? No, I'm kidding. Thank you. No, it's exciting. been cool. But we're going to figure this out in the podcast, but you had said to me, you think that actually working here at iHeartMedia Sales is your side hustle. Yeah, it's fun. Like, I think it's kind of a perspective you have to have when you're, you know, when you're like of an entrepreneurial mindset, like you have to think of your day job as your side hustle. Okay. too many people say like, oh, you know, I work in, what's it called? Finance, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a songwriter on the side. But if their dream is to be a songwriter, then why are they not a songwriter who works in finance on the oh, side? Oh man, you know I can I mean? already tell yeah. this podcast is going to be <laughs> like everyone, you're going to have people listening on their way to and from work like, I got to change the way I do everything. So I'm excited to get I into mean, that. I mean, I hope so for the better. You know what I mean? Like positive change. Like that's, I'm all about that. So okay. hopefully. So Shelton though, what yeah. your side hustle, but actually your day job is. You're a talent manager, yes. you're a songwriter, you're a billion other things. So let's start unpacking that. And then I want to get into why you decided to work in radio sales. Sure. When did all of that start? When did you, like, what was the first thing? Was it songwriting? What was it? <sighs> and I, I remember the day it was, it was, it was, it was making music myself. It was songwriting. I, so I, I grew up skateboarding. That was like my, before I ever had like a job, I was going to be a pro skateboarder. I was sure of it. That's what it was. A friend of mine that I skated with broke his leg. <laughs> so he wasn't skating for a while. He was sitting in his room making beats. And he hit me up one day and asked if I wanted to come through and record some raps. And I was like, the hell, like, what are you talking about? I don't rap. <laughs> record some raps. Yeah. And he How was old like, were you? Uh, I was 18, almost 19. Okay. This was 2011. He was like, well, I see you post like, you know, you're always reposting people's freestyle videos and you're really into music. Like, I feel like you write. Like, I feel like you rap. And I was like, I mean, I'm down to try. Like, you know, this was literally just for fun and games. I never thought it would be anything. I just started going to his house on the weekends and, you know, we just record songs in his bedroom. And at this time it was just over like Lil Wayne beats. I was going to say, like, who was your influences then at the time? My number one influence or, then and still is probably J. Cole. Cool. Just because like, I, you know, I really respect and appreciate someone who can write songs that are both catchy, but also have substance to them. Cause like I like substance, but not to the point where like the music's not fun to listen to anymore. So yeah, that was my main inspiration back then. But yeah, we were just recording, you know, writing raps over other people's beats, recording them, making, you know, quote unquote mixtapes that we would. What was 18 year old Shelton Harris rapping about? Oh my gosh. It was, (laughs) (laughs) it was terrible. Just like, I was, I don't know. I was really focused on like trying to work on metaphors and wordplay back then. So like, I'm cool like this. I'm hot like that. <laughs> I'll take your girl like this. Like very stereotypical 2000. Oh my gosh, you won't. I erase, I swept, I swept the internet of all that Is old that stuff. Possible? But I mean, there might be something in the archives. Okay. Okay. So you realize, okay, I, I like this. I have a love for this at 18. What was that next monumental step? Did you go to college? Like, what did you do? First step was starting to make it public that I was doing that, which is a very hard thing to do, you know, the first time, because it's just like, it's a pretty corny thing, or at least that's, you know, the mindset of it is like, it feels whack to tell someone like, oh, I rap and I'm going to be a rapper. And keep in mind, you said what, yeah. 2010 to 2011? Uh, yeah, it's so different now for sure. 18 year olds because Absolutely. it's almost like, oh, you don't rap? Yeah. <laughs> because not, it's different for them with yeah. Instagram. Like we didn't have that the in accessibility 2010. is way higher. The, you know, it's a lot easier yep. to jump into it. You could have like a hundred bucks and go to Guitar Center and 
be able to make a song. You can, uh, and it, like a podcast. Anyone and like can you do a said, podcast. social media is way different. It's yep. a lot easier to take off. It's a lot easier to do something viral or catchy or cool, that quirky that, you know, people just, you know, but it wasn't like that. Back then, I was DMing the song to people on Facebook saying, hey, I just dropped this song. Can you go to my page and hit like and comment so that it will show up in other people's news feeds because I understood the algorithm back then like I knew that if people were commenting on it and liking it it would stay at the top of the news feed and so I would just message people and ask them to go like and comment I'm like you don't even gotta like share it but if you could just go (laughs) hit like and comment like that would be amazing and people to my surprise liked it they said I had something so I was actually liked it not just Facebook yeah (laughs) exactly like they actually thought that there was some potential there which was you know I, it was mind-boggling cool. to me, but it was enough to keep going. The next monumental step that mm-hmm. really kind of solidified things was about six months later, I got the opportunity to intern for Macklemore and Meyer Lewis. Like, Long, okay, yeah. now... How does one just get the opportunity to intern for Macklemore and Ryan Lewis? And, okay, and also, yeah. where did you grow up? I So I was born in Bremerton. So in, that's here in Washington, that, yeah. yeah. that's here in Washington. It's a, it's a, you know, for those that don't know, it's a short, you know, ferry ride across the water from Seattle. Um, that was where I went, you know, grew up, went to elementary school, junior high, stuff like that. Uh, between Bremerton and Port Orchard and then sophomore year of high school, I moved to Kent and then from Kent ended up in Seattle. So at that time then, that was when Macklemore was really just getting on the map. At yeah. least. Yeah. When for- I met him, I think he had like. 10,000 followers or something <laughs> like that. Like I, you know, it was crazy. And and to answer your question on like, yeah. how does one yeah, get how that opportunity? That? I feel like my life is this big culmination of like being in the right place at the right time. And it's crazy how that. those little tiny moments can really change the trajectory of your life. Let me say something about that yeah, though. Because I've always given that. I've always said like, I'm lucky, right place, right time. But if you could have been in the right place and right time and still been a crappy person and not a hard worker, no sure. one would have given you the opportunity. Yeah, no, one of my favorite things to say is that like, everything I have, like at least I believe, has come from me being or at least trying to be a genuinely good person. Yes. Maybe I'm not, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody probably thinks they're a little bit better than they really are. But like I, if nothing else, even if I'm not super talented at something, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm friendly, I'm polite, I shake people's hands, I try to, you know, get involved in conversations when I can and I feel like that's where a lot of my opportunity comes from. But, but you know, you're absolutely right. It all started a lo- like about six months before I was at a skate park skating. Macklemore comes to the park <laughs> looking for, this is an indoor skate park in Seattle. This is 2011. He's looking for kids to skate or kids that look like skaters to be in a music video he's working on. Oh my um, God, so cool. I happen to be good friends with the person who's working the counter at the skate park this okay. day on this particular day. And so he calls me over, me and two other kids. And he's like, yo, have you met my friend Ben? And I'm like, <laughs> yo, I was like, dude, I actually just saw you at the Paramount with the Blue Scholars, like, you know, just a couple months ago. Like <gasps> this was, yeah, this was like a monumental moment in like Seattle hip hop. So anyways, I'm like tripping and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. You know, I'd love to be in your video. Uh, ben Haggerty. Yeah, ben, <laughs> exactly. And I'm an, you know, I'm an opportunist, you know, as, as, as much as they come. So you know, I was, I was in the video. It was great. You know, great connection, all that. But fast forward, I end up following up with him, you know, sending him a DM like, hey, you know, it was you know, super grateful for the opportunity if you guys ever need me for anything else. Uh, and I think they kind of saw something in the fact that I was always that kid saying, hey, if you need help, hit me. If you and need you help, say hit yes. Me. Yeah, when- if you need me to carry gear to and from the truck, if you need me to help set up at a show, if you need me to be on set at a video, just grabbing coffee, like whatever you need me to do, like. I want to be involved with this stuff. So like, you know, however I can help, let me help. And they, you know, I think they took a liking to that and they invited me to the studio one day because they said they were interviewing kids for, you know, an intern position on tour. I thought of it like a real job interview. Like I was super prepared. I pulled up expecting Did you wear them. a suit? 
I didn't wear a suit. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I did wear a nice, a nice button-up flannel, okay. though. Very Seattle of you. You know, exactly. <laughs> Especially back then. But uh, So I pull up thinking that, you know, I don't know, I'm one of like 20 kids they're interviewing. And basically, they just sat me down and were like, one, are your parents okay with this? And two, like, can you afford to be on the road for right. a month? Uh, you know, because they're like, you know, it does add up quicker than you would probably think, it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They're like, we'll help you out. But like, could, do you have the means to do that? Did you? I <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got like, I worked at Safeway at the time. And I was like, I still got like three checks coming between now and then. Like if I save them up, I'll be good. And I remember, I'll never forget this. I left town for four weeks with like $275 <gasps> thinking like, if I just eat dollar menu every day, if I budget, if I don't do anything crazy, like I'll be okay. I think I was out of money in like a week. Oh my God. Yeah. I- and you know what's so crazy is like... And- I felt it sounded like such an old lady saying this, yeah. but I feel like kids these days won't do that. They wouldn't do it. They like they wouldn't take an opportunity like that. Yeah. And it's so it's if you ever get the chance to do that and just spend all your money, whatever it is, to actually follow a dream. Yeah, it is so unbelievably worth it, especially when you're 18 years old. Yeah, I, the, you're talking. I mean, yeah, you're talking to someone who at the time had never traveled. I think I had been to I'd been to Minnesota to visit family and I had been to Colorado and, and like San Diego. And those are the only three places I'd ever been. And I went from that to seeing the entire country. That's at incredible. Went down the West Coast, across the South, up the East Coast, into Canada, down into the Midwest, and then back to Seattle. So I literally saw the country at 19. Okay. It's crazy. But how, what did you do after you ran out of that money? Oh, my God. So I, I mean, obviously, I was just hitting up family. I was just like, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, I kept it very real with them. Uh, you know, they like like I said, they were helping me out, like, you know, with food and stuff like that. But I just, you know, I hit my mom up, hit my grandparents up. I'm <laughs> like, yo, having the time of my life. But by the way, I'm broke. So they were sending me like 50 bucks a week. And I was and like at the time I was like I said, I was living off dollar menu and tea at Starbucks, you know, whatever the yeah. cheapest things I could get were. But, you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. You know, I'm, I was like in new orleans with like five dollars to my name but we're like running around the city and i'm like i'm 19 and like low-key but they were like sliding me beers of course and we're like partying and turning up <laughs> it was like, like how to be the cool you know like yeah such exactly. a cool moment i wasn't you. thinking about the fact that i was broke i was thinking about the fact that i'm in new orleans right now on a thursday in november and we're just hanging out after a show like where what is my life and how did it get here and on top of obviously how fun it was for you learning being oh on the goodness. road with an artist yeah. who was blowing up at it, that point. yeah no it was incredible because what so my actual role on the tour like what they hired me to do my primary duty was DJing for the opener and this is an even funnier story because I had never DJed for I was anybody say, yeah. I didn't even know <laughs> what it meant to DJ for an artist at the time they were like I was like okay well what do I need to do they were like download Serato and Scratch Live and just play with it. Learn the controls. I was like, cool. And I literally had never stepped on a stage as a DJ until the first show of the tour, which was for 1,500 people in Bellingham. Were you DJ Shelton Harris? Yes. <laughs> it was, yeah, I remember I remember the dude, the dude's name was XP. Me and him are still cool. He's super, super dope dude and dope artist. But he was like, so do you like, what's your DJ name? Do you like scratch or anything? Is there anything like you, you know, anything you want to add to my songs? And I was like, I'm going to be real with you, bro. Like, I know how to press play. I know how to press stop. And I know how to go to the next song. And that is it. <laughs> but I had, uh, I had some level of like mic control because okay. I had been rapping for going on you know six seven months at this point so like I was probably trash looking back but I was confident <laughs> enough 
to walk out on a stage that I had never been on, grab a mic and be like, are y'all ready to party? Are y'all ready to turn up? Like, and that's and all just, they need. Yeah, that's all. And, and it, I got and I think the what really changed it was it was a tour. So I got to do that every night for 30 days. And so like maybe I didn't know what I was doing when it started. But, but by, by the, end. the end of it and they were also uh, XP was cool enough to let me have a verse on one of his songs. He's like, if you want to if you have a verse or you want to write something, you what? could like step out from behind the DJ booth on one of like my songs and perform it with me. And I was like, I was terrified because I'd, I'd performed, I think, one time prior to that before we went on tour but it was like the smallest show for like 30 people like it was homies like it wasn't scary but this was scary because it's like sold out shows every night uh but it, it gave me a whole new level of confidence a whole new level of mic control of like of stage presence you know because i got to practice yeah. as someone who was brand new for a month straight so i came back with just all the confidence in the world to you know to start doing it myself like you have artists rely on you now yeah who rely on you to get them out there. I guess, is it get them gigs? Like, I'm not even 100% sure what a talent manager does, but I know that you work with Travis Thompson, who yeah. here in Seattle is a big name. Like, people, yeah, if you're in Seattle, crazy. you know who Travis Thompson is. Yeah. But if you're listening from New York, you may still know him. It's not that you don't. Like, he's sure. a big artist. Yeah. So how did that happen? I know he's got the Macklemore connection, but how did that Yeah, no, that's, that's a super easy segue. So I, I, I'll say ended my career as a musician <laughs> in 2016. Okay. That was when I released my final project, but that's, but it's funny because that was the one that took off and went and did millions and millions of views. But at the time I was already a point at a point where I knew, like, I don't think I want to do this for a career. Right. I'm not trying to be the face of a brand. I'm not trying to ha feel like I have to put on a mask and like entertain if I'm it's not in the mood to do it. Yeah, it is a lot. Like, especially now that I've seen the ins and out of it, it's, it's a lot and it's not something that everybody's cut out for. And I think I learned early on that I'm not cut out for it, but I love music. I love, you know, being in the studio. I love attending live shows. Um, so I meet Travis. He actually used to run a podcast. Huh. He was a, he was a, uh, what's it called? It was called poets with a podcast because he was that. a spoken word poet. Okay. And so he would invite artists that and producers and stuff that he looked up to onto his show. And that was how we met. He reached out to me oh, cool. as a fan of mine what? to come on his show. Uh, we, you know, we get to talking, we have a great conversation. We find out we live in the same neighborhood <laughs> and he also skateboards. I was still skating at the time. And so we started just hanging out just like as friends. And he starts telling, one day he sends me a song, emails me a track and is like, by the way, I make music too. Like I'm not public about it yet, but like I rap too. You should check this out. And I was, I kind of like was like, oh, that's cool, man. Like dope. And then didn't really think anything <laughs> else of it. Uh, but he kept sending me songs. And eventually I was like, okay, I think you got one. Like I see the potential there. Let me take you to a real studio to record this. Like let me introduce you to some people. And I took him to Ruby Room Studios, which is in North Seattle, like on Aurora. Introduced him to these guys named Elon and Nima. They're two great uh, producers and engineers here from Seattle. Travis, and he still works with them to this day. But yeah, so he recorded his first project with them. I saw a lot of promise and I was, I never saw myself as a manager. I was just helping out as like the older homie. You know what I mean? Just like I was the one who had been <laughs> yeah, through like it before. Yeah, like you did this. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'd booked show. I was able to introduce him to some show contacts, get him to up, you know, open a couple shows. Just I was just, I saw myself as a friend, not a manager. And one day as we're rolling out his album and I'm helping him, he hits me with like, by the way, you know, you're my manager now, right? <laughs> and I was like, yo, man, like that's dope but that's you know kind I'm of a going high to skateboard. <laughs> yeah i'm like that's a high title to place on somebody like there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that and like <laughs> i sure i i know some stuff that you don't but i've never managed anybody and he's like yeah but like you've basically been managing me since i started and 
like it's worked. So why don't we just keep this thing going? And uh, that's exactly what happened. That's how you became a talent manager. And that was now three and a half, almost four years ago at this point that that started. I still just saw myself as the older homie helping him out. But it as he grew, my role grew. And it turned into like for me shooting an email for him once to do every day because he's, you know, constantly working like I've got, you know, ideas to I've got, you know, marketing plans to help come up with. I've got, you know, people I should be hitting up to see if we can grow these songs. You know, I'm booking I booked his shows for the first two and a half years of his career. Like, <laughs> yeah, like and this is just because like I'm I'm someone who I feel like I'm good at communicating. Yep. I feel like I'm really organized and I feel like I'm I'm diligent. Like, well, if we I, need you here at iHeartMedia. Yeah. That's for sure. So don't go anywhere. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, in you know, in a nutshell, how that came to be. But yeah, and now here we are, you know, signed to Epic Records and just releasing, you know, a debut album is crazy. Are you, so you're still working with Travis? Yes. Now, going back to your songwriting, how many, you told me how many streams do you have on, as Shelton Harris, like how many? Uh, over 20 million. <laughs> I feel like we should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> it's funny. Like that's, that's the funny part is that it's just not something I talk about a lot. Cause I still think it's super funny to meet someone in like, cause like people hear that and be like, why didn't you tell me that you made music? Well, I'm like, yeah, if you were like, hi, I'm Shelton Harris. I have 20. <laughs> and I rap and there's a lot of streams on it. Like, it's just, nobody wants to hear that. Okay. You know what I mean? Nobody, right. but like, if someone's interested in it, that's a whole, then I'm excited to talk about it. But You're yeah, humble. it's, that was the project that I released in 2016. Okay. And like it, I, I'm, it's the most, like, it's the body of work that I'm most proud of, but I kind of like hit the off switch and never really looked at it again after it came out just because I was like I did that I put it out I played like three shows to support it and then said like I'm closing this book I'm moving on to the management I'm done being a rapper and I just kind of didn't pay attention to it and then one day it was like five months after it came out uh Tyler Dops the producer of the project uh texted me and was like yo do you know that project's got like 300,000 streams and I was like (laughs) what and he's like yeah dude like people are listening to it and a month goes by and then it's at 700,000 and a month goes by and it's at a million and it yep. just was growing like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? And then it got to the point where I was getting a half a million streams a month on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is paying my rent. Like what's happening yeah. right now? Like I, without any and you're sort not of doing anything at that no point. marketing budget, I wasn't promoting it. I hadn't even so much as posted it on social media in over a year. Wow. And the streams were just climbing, climbing, climbing. Shout out Spotify. Like it's crazy how those algorithms and playlists and mm-hmm. stuff work yeah so like to this day it's still just streaming 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 and still like paying some of my bills it's crazy <laughs> okay so at that point were you like damn i shouldn't have closed that book or you were still done with the whole no nah, i think that i was done i think that there's a certain level of self-awareness that you have to have as an artist i think a big part of it is not just you know it's not so much the talent not so much like you know, how many streams you can get, but do you genuinely in your core want to be an artist by career? And I think I knew the answer to that question along, like, you know, several years ago for me was no, just because of, I, once I learned what goes into it and like, once, you know, like having starting to do like legal paperwork and like (laughs) learning about like, you know, publishing and all these ins and outs, like I was like, this is a headache. Like I just want to make music and hit upload. I don't want to do all of this. And I, never had a manager. Maybe if I did, maybe if I had gone down that road. You were doing everything on your own. Yeah, I was booking my own shows. All the emails were me, everything. I was the first line of communication for everything. And that was just like kind of exhausting because when you're dealing with that side of it, the creative side of it, you kind of like it almost turns off. You know, it's crazy, completely different, but I say the same thing about radio, about our job as a morning show. Like the creative side kind of gets killed sometimes when you have to be in meetings, 
day after day and do different things and be that front line of communication. I've got all these emails to answer about God knows what, and I don't have time to live my life and have the creative thing to talk about on the air. But you're still supposed to show up and be in a great mood every day. 5 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) So it is really hard when you are that front line of communication, but I think full circle, it does kind of make you better at your job, at least your job now. Like, look, you're a great talent manager because you were the talent and the manager. Yeah, (laughs) literally, like I had to. If I hadn't managed myself, I don't think anybody else ever would have asked me to be a manager for them. And I never would have exercised that side of the skill set. And I might have never tried to hone in on that and be better at it. But because I someone threw me the opportunity, I ran with it. But as a manager also, and this can go for any industry, any career, but now you also are better at being a manager because you know what it's like to be the talent. So you yeah. have uh, you have empathy for them. You understand. And that's like in any industry, if you can kind of do all facets of it, you will be so much better at your your end result, whatever your end goal is. A thousand percent. And like, and I, I definitely, I don't think that at, like, there's definitely great managers that have like never recorded a day in their life. But I pr- like one thing I've learned meeting a bunch of people in the industry in the last several years is that probably two to three out of five managers used to rap mm. or used to be an audio engineer, used to be a producer. It start. it always starts with a love for music. It's like, I, 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 I booked shows or I was a, you know, a promoter. I worked in marketing at a label. Like it always starts with just loving music and then having an eye and an ear for, you know, budding talent and being able to keep an eye on it and being like, oh, like if I was them, I would do this. And obviously those ideas have to be like somewhat good. But if you can apply, you know, that love for music and that hard work to someone else's, you know, skill set and someone else's craft, there's no reason why it can't be just as effective for them as, you know, it was for yourself, if not more effective. Okay, I want to go to the part of, though, where you decided to get into radio sales, <laughs> especially, like, being on your the side of the industry that you're already on. It's like, I don't want to say you went backwards, but you almost went to the not cool side. You were on the sure. cool side. Why did you come here? And I know you work with our friends at Cube 93.3. Yeah. So, Walk us through that whole thing and how the heck that happened. Sure. Uh, so quick backstory before I got this job. So I worked for I worked for Safeway for 10 years. That was like my job job while I was pursuing music. And if people who don't live in an area where there's grocery a Safeway, store. it's a grocery store. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like Vons. It's like, you know, Fred Meyer, QFC, whatever you have. Anyways, I worked there for 10 years. Jeez. I did every position you could think of from bagging groceries to store management everything top to bottom bookkeeping accounting like you name it I did everything in that store and I kept the job for so long because one like grocery stores actually pay well if you ride out two uh, benefits are good but the most important one was it was flexible for a music career I was able to take you know a couple weeks off at a time and go on tour come back jump in didn't miss anything that's great the grocery store's wheels continue turning whether you're there or not (laughs) you know Uh, but anyways I was finally able to quit that job in November of this of this year so it's been like nine months now that I was technically just working as an independent talent manager and it was great honestly but it got kind of one, it got kind of boring just being like, I worked from home. I never really left the house. Uh, you know, I would I would travel a lot, which was cool. But then I had a baby. So then I'm not traveling as much. So then I'm just sitting at home and I'm kind of like, you know, the stay at home dad while my fiance was going to work. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I wanted to get back into, I saw this as an opportunity to get into, I don't know, a different line of work to try, just to try something new. I'm like, I felt like I was trapped at Safeway for so long and music was the release that allowed me 
to leave that. Mm -hmm. I was never able to leave that before because I didn't really have a resume that I could use to apply to the career field that I wanted. Cause okay. like I, I went to college, but I dropped out when the music stuff was started popping. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I didn't need it anymore. Fast forward to now, I just started thinking like, okay, what companies would I actually want to work for? Now that I have the time to sit here and think about it and a better resume of, you know, of experience, what companies would I actually want to work for? And, you know, I start thinking like what's in Seattle. iHeart was the first thing that came to mind because I had been to the offices several times. To be honest, I didn't even really know what position I was applying for when I applied for it. Wow. I just saw, I, I went to the iHeart website, saw open positions in Seattle, saw the title of account executive. I was like, that sounds kind of cool. Read the description and it sounded like, it's funny. If you look at the job description, it's almost word for word what artist management is. It's like someone who finds companies that, you know, would complement the iHeart brand or would work well under the yeah. iHeart umbrella and basically convincing them why they should work with us and building a relationship it's and true. seeing what it can turn into. Like that was that's literally what I do as an artist manager is find companies that or brands or entities that would work well with my artists and try to bridge that gap. Man, you're going to be such a good salesperson. I feel like you're going to be so <laughs> smooth and you're going to get all these people see, to just start spending their money see, here. That's the funniest part is I've, I've no real sales experience prior to this, or at least I didn't think I did. Right. It turns out that I had been selling music for the past seven years. Exactly. I, didn't, I never thought of it as that though. I thought of myself as, I thought of myself as being in the business of relationships and partnerships promoting, and, yeah. and, you know, uh, what's it called? Like cross promoting, you know, mm -hmm. basically not necessarily getting someone to buy something, but telling them like, Hey, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Basically. Really? But yeah, you are selling things yeah, when you exactly. look at it. And so I never really thought of it like that. But when, you know, I go, I'm going through the interview process and I'm going through the training process of this sales job. And I'm like, yo, this is like easy. Because I, I feel like I can almost remove all of the, the stuffiness that comes with being a salesman. Like I'm because it's it's a language that I'm used to speaking, just relationships in general. So I, I still don't even like to call myself a salesman because then I feel like I'm trying to. I don't know. I, I It always seems like I'm trying to get someone to you buy don't. something they don't need. You don't know call I, yourself a salesman. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I'm definitely not. I just like to talk to people. I genuinely like helping people if the opportunity is there. And that's really where this all comes from. So right now, like, I don't know, I'm having fun just, you know, just spending all day researching different companies and startups and, you know, not just startups, but bigger companies that we can try to help out and just reaching, I'm just having fun reaching out to them, honestly. And just, cause that's what I was doing all day before I came here was just sending out a thousand emails a day, trying to work with people. Which is what you were doing back when you were an artist too. You know what I mean? Like yes. you were emailing people and you yeah. were doing it for Travis. Like it really is crazy that I, I guess if, would not have thought of right off the bat, like, oh, it's the same thing. It's sales. It's yeah. the same idea. I would have never thought that. But that's why I'm saying, like, I think you're going to be so good at this. And I'm so excited to watch it all happen. Thank Remember, you. you heard it here first on Side Hustlers that Shelton Harris is going to be the best salesperson that our media has. Yeah. And like, I hope, you know, hopefully I kill it in sales and they're like, yo, you've got some great marketing ideas. Let's have you helping out with promotions. Of course. Oh, you've got some great promotional ideas. Let's get you helping out on this team. Like, that's what I want to do and really what brought me into, you know, radio in the first place was I had never, I had never really learned this side of the industry. I've like, I've been to a bunch of iHeart offices over the country, course, I mean, all over the country, travel. like, you know, like promo runs for Travis and stuff, but I don't know how, like the ins and outs of how they operate. I didn't even know there was a sales department here before working, before right. being in the sales department. <laughs> before here. after applying. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause even the job description doesn't say the word sales. So it's like, you don't, 
automatically assume that. Well, because when people think sales now, they think like Dunder Mifflin Paper Co. Like you're going to be selling yeah. paper like The Office. Exactly. That's not really what it is. And that's not what it is A little all. bit sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah, but, and iHeart's a cool company. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, we've got, we got events where we're just like inviting people over and basically throwing parties in like yeah. the middle of the work day. And like, you know, that certainly helps. Of course. <laughs> it's my first time ever working in an office, but I feel like it's a solid first impression. Time out. Rewind. Yeah. You just said this was your first time ever working in an office, and I guess I should have known that by your story. Period. But Yeah, no, because like I said, I went straight. My first job ever was Safeway. I rode that out until I didn't need a job anymore. <laughs> Crazy. I love to believe that I'm going to excel as an AE and climb the ladder and do all this, but like I, I don't know. There hasn't been a point in my life ever where I've known what I was, where I knew what I was going to be doing a year later. And yeah, but so, I feel like that's that's good. That's the Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Like, you know, hopefully... Even if I don't have like a long career here, all that all that matters to me is that it was a good one. You know what I mean? I'm going to do as good yep. as I possibly can here. Like even if I left next month, I would want to leave on a note where everyone was able to look back and be like, hey, you know, I wish Shelton stuck around. But, you know, at least he was cool to work with while he was here. Like, you know, so <laughs> just doing as good of a job as I can. So in the meantime, almost every single person that I have had on this podcast, they have their side hustle. And they're working at their day job at an office and they want to either leave that office job or they have yeah. left that office job to go work from home. Yeah. You, Shelton, have gone the complete opposite. And I love that you've come in here and just like shook up that formula of, no, I've been working from home and now I want to do this. And you, when you emailed me, you actually did say something along the lines of that you're living proof that it's possible to maintain success in both your nine to five and your passion at the same time. Yeah. And you also said reaching that level of success doesn't always mean choosing one over the other. Yeah. And I, I love that because so many people are like, I just want to leave my day job. I just want to work for myself. And that's fine. But you're like, you're proof that, like you said, you can do both and be happy in both. Sure. Well, I mean, number one for me is I'm not like, I, sh- I sure I wanted to get that, like get out of my day job just as much as, at the time when I worked for Safeway, just as bad as, you know, most people do. But that was because of where I worked and how long I'd been there. Like it was mentally draining. It wasn't conducive to my, to my, you know, passions outside of work. It wasn't helping me at all, aside from the fact that it was giving me a paycheck. And it sounds like you kind of, there was nowhere else for you to grow at that point. Yeah, like you're someone exactly. Unless I was going to gonna try to be the, the store manager or the district manager of a Safeway, like there was no room for me to go up anymore. I was as high as I could. I actually like demoted myself on my last year there, stepped down from management so that I could have a flexible position that allowed me to only work 20 hours a week versus 50. But yeah, like, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the starving artist idea. Like I, you know, I think that you should be able to pay your bills and obvi- and also you probably know as well as anybody having a side hustle is expensive. Yep. If you're trying to grow a business, you if you're yourself. trying to record music, if you're trying to grow a brand, if you're trying to start a blog, what, website, whatever it is that you're trying to do, it costs money and you're going to need capital to fund that. So like, sure, like, you know, quit your job if you can. Great. But if you can't, if that's not realistic, you have a family, you have bills, whatever, Find a job that works for you and works for your schedule. Maybe it's got a couple days a week you can work from home and you've got more time to you know hustle. Maybe you start earlier in the morning so you can get off earlier and have the whole rest of the day. Because that's what it was for me in my last couple of years with Safeway. I worked like 4 a.m. to noon. And that allowed oh, wow. me to then go from noon to a whole day. 10, 11 p.m., work on whatever I wanted to do. And sure, I was exhausted every day, but the schedule worked. It's a little bit harder when you work like nine to five or like 10 to seven or something like that. But that's my whole point is 
sure, like you probably want to quit your job because it doesn't work for your current ambitions, but that doesn't mean you can't find a job that does work for your ambitions. Or wake up an hour earlier or two hours earlier yeah, and start you gotta working be, on it. You just got to be tired. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can't leave your nine to five until you have a five to nine or whatever. I think is <laughs> yep. how somebody calls it. Like if you don't go home and continue working or wake up early. Like, like that. Yeah. I wake up every day still three hours before I need to be here. I was going to say, so, what is your, now that this last month, your yeah. whole life is not whole life has changed, but it, your it's, schedule yeah, is but different. Sure, it's substantially changed a little bit. I, so yeah, so the difference now is like before I was waking up, I wouldn't, I didn't wake up to my fiance. I had to leave for work at like seven 30 and I would just wake up just to drive her to work and then just come back home, be with my daughter, hang out, have breakfast. And then normally about 10, I'd just get started with like my own work for the day. And so obviously like, now that I'm here, that's, in, you know, that's eight hours a day that I'm somewhere else now. So yep. now I'm waking up at like, you know, anywhere from like five, five thirty so that I can have at least two solid hours in the morning to chip away at whatever I needed to do, whatever emails need to be responded, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm going home, having dinner, you know, hanging out with the kid a little bit, you know, as much as I can. And then by like six thirty seven, I'm kind of just back to it and working until I go to bed again. And I, you, you have to be able to do that. And I think if you're enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't necessarily feel like you have two jobs. It feels yep. like I have one job and then this is what I'm doing for fun. It's 100% true. Yeah. So you're still working with Travis Thompson. You're still managing him and you have, yes. who else do you have as an artist? Uh, I'm working with an R&B soul singer named Mr. DC as well. M-I-S-T-A-D-C. Thank you for that. I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so then are you still going to be traveling with them? Like what is that going to work since you have a nine to five? So I, luckily with Travis, especially since he's the busier schedule, I have a, I have a business partner. I have a, a co-manager, essentially, that lives in New York. He runs this company that allows him a lot more freedom. He okay. doesn't have to be in a particular... He has a ton of calls he has to be on, but he doesn't have to be in a particular place every day. So his flexibility with traveling is a lot more open than mine currently is. And so luckily, that's worked out perfectly. Like, you know, Travis is just in LA for a week and then New York for a week, and then he's going to Atlanta next week. And Luckily, my partner is able to, you know, ride along with him on all those things. And like, I would love to be there, but I don't know. Like, I've, I feel like I've seen most of it at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. there, there's, there's a lot of exciting things happening right now that I wish I could be there for. But also like, I've, I don't know, I've found a middle ground where I'm, I'm happy with both. And luckily, you know, I've, I've got the flexibility to still attend his shows. Like if I absolutely need to be somewhere, typically, you know. The people here are pretty appreciative of that because they know who he is. They knew that I worked with him before I came here. And they did ask me that when I started. They were like, well, what does this right. mean for you? Like, are you quitting that? Or like, are you not going to be available here? Like, how is that going to work long term? And that is a hard question to answer, honestly. All I could say is like, right now it works. Good. You know, right now I mean, it that works. is a good answer. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I can't tell you. Next year, I can't tell you six months from now, but right now it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I know you're obviously in this new endeavor of working in sales. I heard media, you're not even a full month in, but what is next for Shelton Harris? What is like your, I know you said you don't know what you will want to yeah. do a year from now, but what are other things that you maybe want to learn or grow or put under your belt? Like, this is what I want in my future. So what I hope this all ends with is me being even a very, very small part of what makes the Northwest, you know, not just Seattle, but the Northwest mm -hmm. as a whole, as more of a, of a hub in music. And whether that's 
whether that's labels and, you know, like publishing entities moving here or talent agencies moving here. Like, because right now the in, there's no. no industry here. No, there's, there is not. There's radio here. You know, people play shows here. Uh, it's a great like, city for shows. like Napster's here. But like other than that, like <laughs> there's no, you know what I mean? Like the big streaming services like Apple, Spotify, they don't exist here. Nope. Record labels don't. There's a couple indie ones. So I don't want to say there's no industry. I mean, we here, have but, reps who work here, but we yeah, don't have. But when you think about the industry, like the industry and the, and the companies that make that up, none of that exists in the Pacific Northwest. And so it feels like people, artists here have this, you know, desperate feeling that they need to make it out or move away in order to find some level of success. That sucks. And I would love to be a part of kind of changing that, even if I'm just a very small fixture or just an employee in that company that's doing that. Maybe I don't start the company. Maybe I work there. I would love to to be a part of helping Seattle in the Northwest in general have a, you know, an industry or at least some facet of an industry here that can help cultivate talent. Well, I think if anyone can do that and make it happen, it's you after hearing your story and everything. You'll probably Hopefully. be the guy that builds the building, <laughs> cleans the building, uh, does all the things, paints it, all of it. That'll be yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, if I have to, I will. You know I what I mean? You. Like, that's the plan. I love that <laughs> so much. So I want people to support you and follow you. So your Instagram is Shelton Harris without the vowels. Yeah. If it, yeah. And if you just type in <laughs> Shelton Harris on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, only you'll, one. yeah, you'll find me. I'm, I'm usually I'm usually one of the first ones. OK, so they can support you there. And are we able to play one of your songs? I know you said you closed this book, but I really want to do it. And since I have the writer and the creator on the podcast, I think I'm legally allowed to do it. Yeah, no, there's there, it's definitely something that I'm proud of and I've got no problem with people hearing it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Shelton, thank you for coming in. I'm excited. Now, can you go get me some endorsements? Like, can you sell this podcast? Yeah, let's run this up. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, one day, I'ma make it out, it ain't hard to tell it One day, I'ma make a million, my mama tell me don't spend it all in one place But I'm trying to ball, so don't hold me back, I'm like 12 and 0 Lost it all to go find myself, can't commit, you might lose control I tried way too hard to be liked, spent way too much of my clothes Swear way too much of my days and nights were spent chasing after these Now these girls chase me, better let them go Y'all went downhill, gotta let them roll Got a fine ass chick and a brand new whip I don't need y'all shit, gotta let them know Gotta let them know Flashing lights, they got a flashy price Flashy watches, they drip to ice I need all of that, but that shit can wait I got bills to pay for my family's sake And my bank account is washed up What you gonna do? Well, I made that big, I'm asleep in it And I'll chase these dreams till they come true Till they come true Say what you want, but don't call me crazy I'm still twice the man that my father made me And my competition's still losing sleep Meanwhile, y'all count as sheep Thinking back where I left it at Swear to God we were set with that To the top we were set to go not once did I question that. Now I'm stuck in my own damn head. Swear my thoughts is my only threat. Boarding flights to some brand new heights. Couple years I might own that jet. Taking off in this place I've been. Won't stop now, can't box me out. Felt like I was up on a ledge and they tried, but they just couldn't talk me down. Had to do it myself. Had to do it myself. But what's a setback to a real one? I'm not gay, I don't need your help. Gotta know this life ain't what it seems. Trying to chase these dreams at 23. Gotta find out what it's worth to you. Gotta find out what it's worth to me. Can't stick to the script, cause it ain't my thing. I'ma fight till I find what works for me. I know I ain't 
shit changed, gotta find my way Can't let y'all write this verse for me But I gotta get back to the pen Then I gotta get back to the booth Then I gotta get back to myself Then I gotta get back to the truth And I'm learning now that I'm just not perfect, y'all And I just can't claim to be In the end, I know if I'm fine with that There ain't shit you can take from me, and that's real Say what you want, but don't call me crazy I'm still twice the man that my father made me And my competition's still losing sleep Meanwhile, y'all counting sheep Say what you want, but don't call me crazy I'm still twice the man that my father made me And my competition's still losing sleep Meanwhile, y'all counting sheep Thank you for listening to Side Hustlers and checking out Shelton's song. Remember, you can follow him on Instagram. It's Shelton Harris, but without the vowels. Um, You can follow me on Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. Coming up on October 19th, I am actually going to be hosting a panel here in Seattle with Real Self. Uh, It's a company that promotes modern beauty. It's going to be really cool. I'm hosting a panel with a bunch of media professionals. We're going to talk about cosmetic surgery in the media world, what it's like being a woman and in media and a ton of other things. Also this week, I'm going to be posting a way to win your way into this event. You can follow me on Instagram. It's at the Carla Marie. But next week's guest is actually going to be the CEO of Real Self. He started this entire company as a side hustle. So I'm excited for you to learn about Real Self next week. But yes, go follow them. It's Real Self on Instagram. So you can come to the event. Until next week, keep hustling. The weekly podcast that started it all. They just wanted to have fun as they dreamt of one day having their own morning show. And now they do. But the tradition continues every Friday. My Day Friday with Carla Marie and Anthony. Available worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. Kick off your weekend with Carla Marie and Anthony. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. 
is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.